friends. Are you looking for a new podcast? Maybe something you can share with your littles? Something that has some storytelling in it? Well, then look no further. We have Storytime with Philip and Mommy, where my son and I sit and discuss all the great books that you might love while we read them. So, Little Golden Books, Berenstain Bears, and even the new classics like Bluey. We sit down, we read, we discuss, and we have so much fun doing it. Come and join us. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. At a time when change is constant and we are pulled in far too many directions, we need a way to stay present to life and to increase our ability to remain calm, think clearly, and maintain our well-being. Many studies indicate mindfulness improves our mental, emotional, and physical health. On a Mindful Moment with Teresa McKee, you can learn how to practice mindfulness and enjoy its many benefits. Tune in for guided meditations and to hear tips and advice from some of the most respected experts in the fields of mental health and mindfulness. The world truly can be a better place. It all starts with a mindful moment. One thing that really surprised me with my first child was how much sitting there is. I think it's 10 to 12 feeds in the beginning and that lessens over time and then we're sitting feeding baby. So there's a lot of sitting and that can create tightness in your hips and back. So it's kind of a full body (laughs) discomfort for a lot of folks just from the repetition of sitting and feeding. Hey there, I'm Katie Ferraro, registered dietitian, college nutrition professor, and mom of seven specializing in baby led weaning. Here on the Baby Led Weaning Made Easy podcast, I help you strip out all of the noise and nonsense about feeding, leaving you with the confidence and knowledge you need to give your baby a safe start to solid foods using baby led weaning. When you think of all the responsibilities that you have to keep your baby alive, like it can hurt your brain, okay? But feeding your baby can also hurt your body. So my guest today is Deb Flaschenberg. She is an expert in all things prenatal and postnatal yoga. She wants to help you feel pain-free. And so in this episode, Deb's gonna be talking about the importance of things like breath and posture and positioning to help alleviate the aches and pains that come with bottle or breastfeeding or even starting solid foods with our babies. Deb Flaschenberg is the founder of the Prenatal Yoga Center in New York City. She's on Instagram at Prenatal Yoga Center. She literally had me doing yoga during this episode. So don't do this one while driving. She's like, do all these things, except not while you're driving. So if you're driving, maybe hit pause and come back to this one. But get ready for a lot of good info about when feeding hurts. This is all about how to alleviate infant feeding pain with Deb Flaschenberg. I know it's kind of fun to flip the tables. Thanks for having me. So when I was a guest on your Yoga Birth Babies show, you really opened my eyes to how infant feeding and mom's bodies are connected. So I'm really excited to chat with you today about that. But before we get started, give us a little backgrounder. Tell us about yourself, your professional expertise, please. Oh, gosh, yeah, I have many hats I wear. So I am a mom of two, but I also have the prenatal yoga center here in New York City that... We are hitting our 21st birthday this summer, which is kind of amazing because I opened the studio. Your baby could legally drink now, like if it were a real baby. That's amazing. 21 years. Well, it's amazing because I think about some of the students I had and they're like like real people, adults now. It's kind of crazy to think about that. So 
I have the prenatal yoga center. And so obviously I'm a yoga teacher, but I specialize in pre and postnatal yoga. And then because I feel like education just gives me more fuel and more excitement and more to offer my students, I have a lot of different certifications. I'm also a labor support doula, a Lamaze childbirth educator. I have a certification in pelvic floor yoga, which I know we're going to talk about. And then my most recent thing is I've completed a, it's a long title, pre and postnatal corrective exercise specialist. And that was mind blowing and really changed how I saw the postpartum body. So I'm excited to talk about all of that. Sometimes I'm grateful in nutrition that we have one credential, the registered dietitian nutritionist credential. It's nationally recognized. There's no other, like you have so many things in yoga, like you could seriously never stop learning and you should never stop learning, but like you're going to run out of room to put all the credentials and certificates behind your name. But yoga is your jam and prenatal and postnatal yoga is your specialty. Yes, that is 100% my specialty, but it's different than like you have the registered dietitian. That is a very solid school. You know, like that is a very solid foundation. Yoga doesn't quite have that same. We have Yoga Alliance, but it's not really accrediting body. So I wanted just to make sure that I'm really well educated. And I found that I needed extraneous uh, certifications to do that. And 21 years of expertise. I love that. So one thing that I think a lot of parents don't know or anticipate is like parenting can be physically painful. Like, yes, it hurts your brain and it hurts your pocketbook, but like it can hurt your body. And so our audience consists primarily of parents and caregivers, healthcare professionals, many of whom have babies and are helping them transition to solid foods. So we're kind of in the crosshairs of offering both infant milk and starting to offer solid foods. So for our breastfeeding moms, let's start there. What are some common aches and pains that a breastfeeding mom might experience? And then can you follow it up with what can she do to help alleviate these, prevent them, whatever your recommendations may be? Sure. All right. So let's go with first the common aches and pains, and then I'll go into the solutions. But we'll think about what happens when, whether you even breast or bottle, just the posture and the fatigue and what that does to your body. And so we tend to get, and I know we'll go more into this, but one of the biggest complaints I get from my students is wrist and thumb pain. And we'll talk more about that. But then also when you're feeding, if you don't have good support for baby, there can be a slumping situation. And then we're going to get a tight neck, which can lead to headaches and jaw pain, upper back pain, rib pain, shoulder pain. And then one thing that really surprised me with my first child was how much sitting there is. You're, I mean, I think it's 10 to 12 feeds in the beginning and that lessens over time. And then we're sitting, feeding baby. So there's a lot of sitting and that can create tightness in your hips and back. So it's kind of a full body <laughs> discomfort for a lot of folks just from the repetition of sitting and feeding. All right, so let's break that down. And now what do we do with all this? So your body's hurting and what are some of the solutions? So let's start at the top. So neck pain. If you think about, especially if you're tired and you're slumping a little, what tends to happen is when the shoulders roll forward, we get this thing, I call it chicken neck or forward head, where the chin sticks out more. Or if you're also feeding and looking at your baby, we get that tightness in the neck. So we get that neck tightness, headache. So one of the solutions, and we're going to continue to come back to this, posture and breath. So one thing we can think about when feeding, whether breast or bottle, instead of bringing your breast or bottle to the baby, bring the baby up to you. And that's going to help lift the chest and help some of that neck tightness. So 
check your posture. Instead of letting the shoulders roll forward, think of lifting the corners of the armpits, having really good support. And then that can help alleviate some of that jaw and shoulder and neck tension. Now, listeners, if you're not holding a baby or not driving a car, I can teach you a quick neck release exercise. It's a little massage that I do with my students a lot. So if your hands are free, then you're going to make a little fist so that your knuckles are on the top and then just drop your head to one side and take your knuckles right by your ear and then release your knuckles down the side of your neck. So it's like a little massage tool. And then you can also do from the back of your ear area all the way around to your clavicle. And I do this a lot, especially if I sit and we'd want to get both sides. So if I'm sitting at a desk a lot, I get kind of that same forward head. So that's one way to help. Then we also tend to get upper back pain. So again, posture. I feel like I'm going to be a broken record. Posture, posture, more posture. And so then also good breathing. When we are rounded and our back ribs aren't expanding, then we're not going to get good breath. So we really want to work on some really good breathing. So gentle twisting child's pose, and again, posture. Now, rib pain, it's funny that a lot of students will talk about rib pain, and then I'm asking them, especially postpartum when they're breastfeeding, I'm like, have you changed bras? And sometimes rib pain can just be a tight bra. And so check that out because that could be a quick, easy solution. And then again, posture. All right, let's keep, am I, am I going too quickly? How's this going? No, I mean, we get, we, I get a lot of flack as a dietitian being the food police. You are totally the posture police, aren't you? I am, totally, I am the posture and breath police. Like we're going to go over posture, breath, pelvic floor, like, but it comes back to posture. And it's not even like this perfect posture. It's just balanced posture. And we, we can talk more about that. And then hip flexors, your, your psoas muscle, we tend to sit so much. And the hips get really tight. So yes, besides posture, this is- <laughs> wait, is sitting really the new smoking? You know, you hear that, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I sit. Oh just my so gosh, it totally <sighs> is because it can affect your. So the funny thing is, I was watching. I watch people on the subway and how they sit, and I'm like, I wonder what your pelvic floor is like. I wonder what your breathing's like. <laughs> These are the like me staring at people feeding their babies, and my husband's like, please stop staring at that mom. And I was like, oh my god, I can't help it. Like, yeah, I'm like staring at how people walk, how they sit. And so the hip flexors, the psoas, they get really, really tight because we're constantly sitting. So here's another fun one. Again, if you're not holding a baby or come back to this episode and try this if you can get on the yoga mat. So we're going to do what's called 360 breathing. So bring your hands by your lower ribs. So we're wrapping your hands around your side ribs. Now, most of us are kind of chest and belly breathers, which is not going to be good for diastasis, which we're going to talk about. But now just breathe into your hands and see if you can feel how the rib cage opens like an umbrella on your inhale. And as you exhale, it closes. So we're looking to get that really good breathing. Now, if you're on your yoga mat and you're trying this, or you're just sitting and trying this, I'm going to invite you to try a child's pose. So that is just coming onto your shins. Your knees are together. Now, if you're breastfeeding and your breasts are full, this may not be so comfortable. So wait till you're empty. And then you're just going to fold over your legs. Now, when your belly's against your thighs, your breath can't go into the front body. It has to fill your back ribs. And that's going to help with some back rib mobility, but it's also going to help relax your psoas muscles, that hip flexor. Because a lot of times people just keep stretching and stretching, and that's not necessarily going to help relax it. It's these passive releases. So try that, that child's pose. Every time I get on the mat and I do that, I feel like I just went to the chiropractor because it really releases the back. So those are some of 
the kind of biggest hits that I hear from my students and that I see in class. And those are some of my quick go-tos. So listen to this again, those who are listening, and make sure you get a chance to try it. Hey, we're going to take a quick break, but I'll be right back. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And I love it because you're reinforcing, I know like a lot of the message, like, you know, the IBCLC share when your breast is like, don't bring your breast to the baby, bring the baby to your breast. And then you catch yourself and you're like, oh my gosh, I totally am doing the thing I'm not supposed to do. So it's nice to hear reinforcement of like, okay, these messages are helping you not only, you know, relax, et cetera, which helps with your milk production, but it's also helping with your posture. It's going to help with your, the postpartum recovery. And the pains because and whose the body pain. wants to be in pain. And you also just gave us permission to not wear restricting bras, which I like as well, because it could totally just be your bra, you guys. Okay. So that's for breastfeeding. A lot of moms listening, maybe bottle feeding. Um, I remember you mentioned Same thing, breast for, or bottle. Okay. Yep. But you were telling me like about mommy thumb and baby wrist. Like what are these real maladies? I love them, whether or not they're real. But what do you mean by these terms? How, how is bottle feeding affected by pain in a way that might be different than breastfeeding if possible? And then any solutions here? It can be the exact same. You can get the same issue from bottle and breast. It's the repetitive motion of holding baby or baby and bottle. So what's typically happening is, so if you're again, not driving, look at your hand and right at the mound of the, or kind of the bottom of the thumb, that area right above your wrist, a lot of people start to get pain right there. It's the tendons that can be um, swollen and painful. So one of my go-tos is something called nerve flossing. And again, I'm going to talk you through it. So nerve flossing is when we're trying to mobilize and stretch the nerve because it brings circulation to the nerve. We want that for healing and reducing pain. So again, if you're driving, pause this, do this when you get home, don't do this driving. But if you're not, and you're not holding a baby, we're going to do some nerve flossing. This is again, one of my absolute go-tos pre and postnatal because prenatal people also get some weird wrist things, but particularly post when you're breast and bottle feeding. So, okay, sit up tall, remember posture. We're going to reach your arms out to the side like a big T. So your palms are facing down, really stretch your arms out. Now, just turn your palms to face down. So your whole palm is facing down, the fingers are down. And then you're going to turn your palms to face up. So the fingers are up kind of like a stop. And then it's going to do down and up 10 times, down and up 10 times. Keep your arms totally straight, down and up 10 times. So that's flossing the nerves. Now, another way you can do it is have your elbows by your side and your palms facing up like you're holding a tray. So now my elbows are by my side. Your fingertips are facing forward. You're holding a tray. And then you're going to just drop your arms down by your side and you're going to make a little curve. So your arms are straight, but your palm is facing up like you're holding a water balloon. Like a teapot. Like a, <laughs> like a teapot. So you're up and then you're down, your straight arms down by your side. Imagine you're holding a little water balloon. And then you're going to go up and down up and down. You can do that 10 times. So while it may, you might be thinking, how is this helping? You're again, you're stretching the nerves, you're getting circulation there and that can help. So those that have that, can there's such strange names, 
mommy thumb or baby wrist, it can be really painful. Some people end up wearing splints. I also am a huge fan of getting some acupuncture for that. Some people end up getting steroid shots in their wrist. It can get so bad. So I'm hoping before it gets to that point, we can do some simple things on a daily basis just to help so we don't get to that point where you're we're pretty immobile and in a lot of pain. Okay. I know we have been talking about posture kind of weaved throughout this conversation, but how does poor posture when you're feeding your baby, like how does it affect other parts of your body? Oh my gosh. All right. So now we're going <laughs> to, we're going to talk about the pelvic floor soon. All right. Cause I'm obsessed with that. So it's interesting. The more I start studying physiology, the more I see the importance of posture. And I think sometimes we think perfect posture, like we're holding a book on our head and we're all stiff and straight. That's not the posture we're looking for. We don't want to feel like we're stiff and we have to be like a, like a robot. It's really about balance. So what we're looking for is that we're balancing the head instead of that chicken neck over the spine and the ribs and the pelvis and the hips are balanced. So what happens in postpartum, we've lost a lot of core stability. We think about the abs have been stretched out. The back muscles are tight. The hips are often pushed forward. So all that coupled up with being tired, then we often tend to collapse in the front body. And that's why so many of the students are like, I need chest openers, chest openers. So how does this affect the the postpartum body? It's like this rippling effect. When we're tired, the shoulders come forward. When we're tired and the shoulders are forward, the chin comes forward. And then not just, you know, posturally, that doesn't maybe feel so good. That's going to affect how we breathe. So for listeners, this might be kind of a new idea about the diaphragm. It's this dome-like muscle at the bottom of your lungs, and we want it to work evenly. So when we inhale, it drops and spreads and the rib cage expands. And when we exhale, it lifts and domes. So if this isn't working well, that's going to affect our nervous system. Instead of being able to fall into the rest and relax, that can affect tension in the back that can greatly affect the pelvic floor. And that's something I don't think a lot of people think about is how you're breathing affects your core strength and your pelvic floor. Okay, wait, I gotta ask you a question. Like a pelvic floor, like what organs are we talking about? Like what, it, what it is, okay. Like I, this term is, you know, thrown around all the time, but I'm like, sure. I mean, I always run a podcast, like don't show me, but like, where is your pelvic floor? All right. So I'm so glad you asked that because I'm obsessed with this. I wish it was not just a podcast and I could pull. I have a pelvic floor model with all the muscles because I love teaching with it. So most of us think the pelvic floor and we hear from care for us like, oh, just do your Kegels. And most of us like, oh, I'm going to squeeze my vaginal muscles. It's so much more so if anyone can visualize a pelvis, it's literally, well, there's three layers. The deepest layer is literally like a bowl. It's attached to the inside of the pelvis. And it is kind of like a basket of support. And then we have more of the superficial. And so, all right, if you're sitting well, go from side to side and see if you can feel your sit bones, those two bones at the base of your pelvis, your sit bones, ischial tuberosities. So picture those. Now rock a little back and see if you can feel your tailbone. And then rock a little forward and see if you can get a sense of where your pubic bone is. So those four bony points make a diamond. So those are the the attachment points of your superficial pelvic floor. And then we've got the deeper pelvic floor. So it's literally like a bowl. And these muscles, if we think about our torso, the pelvis, these are literally the support of everything (laughs) inside. So right above the pelvic floor, you've got the bladder, you've got the rectum, you've got the uh, 
vagina and uterus. Then you've got the intestines. Like everything is basically piled up on the pelvic floor. And ideally, our pelvic floor is kind of like a shock absorber. It should be springy. It should have the ability to support all the organs inside the whole content. And then it should also be able to release and stretch. And a lot of us have lost the ability to let it release and stretch. And a lot of us are walking around with super tight pelvic floors. And that can lead to back pain. That can lead to incontinence. That can lead to painful sex. And most of us don't really think about where, why these things are happening. We think, oh, I'm having back pain or I'm having hip pain or, you know, sex kind of hurts and they just dismiss it or try to find some band-aids like more lube or something. But it could be a tight pelvic floor, constipation, tailbone pain, you know, some big issues that most of us don't want to live with. And that could, yeah, that could be because we have a dysfunctional pelvic floor. Hey, we're going to take a quick break, but I'll be right back. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask them all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? Well, we hear you and we have been there too. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. Who are we? I'm Dr. Jess Steyer, a public health scientist and also co-host of the Unbiased Science Podcast. Every day, I'll chat with one or both of your new pediatrician besties, Dr. Dina DiMaggio, a general pediatrician, and Dr. Anthony Porto, a pediatric gastroenterologist. We'll talk about all the things related to our kids' health, from dealing with a colicky infant to navigating puberty in the teenage years. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, now live on all podcast platforms. So how do you get it back in function? <laughs> You're like, Asking oh, for a friend. <laughs> well, we need to think about, again, it's going to come back to posture and breath and habits. So, oh gosh, where to start with this to get it functional? So I guess the first thing we want to think about is, let's look at posture because you know I'm kind of the posture police. So the diaphragm, this dome-like muscle that we use for breathing, it mirrors that of the pelvic floor. So if you've ever seen a jellyfish, you know how they kind of undulate up and down. So I think of the diaphragm like that. So when you inhale and the diaphragm drops and spreads, everything between the diaphragm and the pelvic floor, all your organs, you know, if you were pregnant, a baby there. So all of that gently gets pushed down into the pelvic floor and the pelvic floor naturally stretches. We need that. We need the pelvic floor, like a trampoline to naturally stretch. Think like when you jump on a trampoline, it goes down to spring back up. So then when you exhale and the diaphragm domes, it creates a vacuum and kind of draws all that contents up. So they need to work together to have your pelvic floor really springy. Now, posture, postpartum, breastfeeding, bottle feeding, we're slumping. If you're slumped forward, the diaphragm's not really dropping well. So all that juiciness that we need to come into the pelvic floor and stretch doesn't go down. Then if you're also slumping and tucking your tailbone, you know, that C curve of your spine, then the back of your pelvic floor is probably getting tight. That's why we have a lot of people with more tension around the tailbone. That's why a lot of people are constipated. It hurts when they poop because that pelvic floor is tight. 
Then you can have people that are rib flares. So think about those that kind of just stick their chest out, not, you know, not trying to show off their boobs. They just have, you know, poor posture where they're rib flaring forward. Then the diaphragm's going more forward and it's not landing evenly on the pelvic floor. So then we might get tension in the front of the pelvic floor. So posture is going to affect how the diaphragm works. If the diaphragm's not functional, again, pelvic floor issues, also your nervous system. We can be in that fight or flight state, which isn't good in general. It's not definitely not good for breastfeeding. You know, we need the body to be in that relaxed state to produce milk. So <laughs> how do we get it? So we get back to really good breathing. We're going to get back to that 360 breathing around the rib cage, not just in the front, we get back to posture. But then we can also look at our habits. Are we clenchers? Think about holding a baby and you have seven. So you've held a baby or two. So when we're sit, when we're standing, holding a baby, we tend to push the hips forward to counter the weight and then the shoulders back. So then when the hips are forward, we tend to be clenching through the glutes. That's going to weaken the glutes and tighten the pelvic floor. Then we tend to be sinking in the chest. So I think it also goes to strengthening other muscles. Because if we're not in good posture, the body's compensating. So a lot of people, and this is another horrible term, so I, I, I'm a little hesitant to use it, but have you ever heard of the term mom butt? It's like a flat butt. <laughs> Which is funny because people with big butts are like, I wish I had a flat butt. And people with flat butts like wish they had a bigger butt. I don't know. But I guess we all have moms. We're all moms and we have a butt. So, so is it's mom a butt horrible like term, reversible? Mom butt. It's, um, it means that, or like some people call it like pancake butt, like a really flat butt. Meaning that there's not a lot of strength in your glute muscles, in your so in your butt muscles. And when all those supporting muscles are not strong and able to support, I think of the pelvic floor kind of like a mom, at least in my world, where you're like, hey, friends, come on, I need you to show up and do the work. And if you don't show up, I'm going to have to do even more work. It's like, like a lot of moms. So then the pelvic floor is taking the work of the hips and the inner thighs and the outer thighs and the butt, and it's just making it tighter. And then we get the super tight pelvic floor. So good breathing, good posture, and really strong supporting muscles will help a pelvic floor be more balanced. And like, what's the time frame here? Because I know personally, my youngest are five. I think, I don't know if I talk, I have a set of quadruplets and a set of yeah. twins. So like, but there's been some expansion. There's a lot of excess skin. I mean, you know, my daughter yesterday was like, and I'm the reason why you'll never wear a bikini again. I was like, well, there's lots of reasons, but that's one of them. And like my youngest are five though. Like how long do you get to recover from this? I know personally, when I walk into the gym and I see the jump ropes on the floor, like I want to leave. Cause I know like, I'm going to go, I'm going to pee over all over myself, but I love jump roping. But like, is it too late? If, if it's a couple of years past it, like I always think this pelvic floor stuff, like we're always talking to moms like right after having their baby. I'm like, these moms have a lot going on. Your boobs are full of milk. You're carrying this baby. You're not sleeping. Like, sorry, but working on my pelvic floor health is pretty low on the priority list. Like, can you repair stuff a little bit later? If sure. You absolutely can. And you should, because here's something really interesting. The postpartum hormones are actually similar to your postmenopausal hormones. So if we don't fix the pelvic floor and get it more balanced, postmenopausal, it's going to come back to haunt you because when your estrogen level is low, your muscle tone is low, which is why a lot of postmenopausal women have incontinence issues. So let's fix it before then. So 
it doesn't have to be the first month. You were absolutely right. Like the first, I mean, again, for most of us, having a new baby is life-changing and you're just trying to keep everyone alive and well. And then you're thinking- And then the pelvic floor influencers are like stressing you out. I'm like, unfollow if it's stressing you out and it's not a priority. Yeah. Yeah. So I do always recommend a pelvic floor PT if you can. You know, total side note here, but other countries, I know like in France, they actually have pelvic floor rehab as part of their postpartum rehab. It would be amazing if we had that, like right now. Or had postpartum rehab. Or they didn't kick you out of the hospital one day after you have a baby and then you never see them again. Yeah, we've got There's a lot of things we could fix in the healthcare system. I I do want to like get to the solution part because I'm feeling a little bit depressed about a lot of things. But like, does yoga help all of these things? Is that the link here? It can help a lot of them. So again, I'm always about if you can see a pelvic floor physical therapist, because they're going to get specifically to your pelvic floor. But in yoga, we do, we do have the the poses. Again, I would hopefully recommend somebody, if you're a listener and you're going to postnatal yoga, go to someone that's trained in this. So we do a lot of poses and exercises that are strengthening the surrounding muscles. So we're working a lot on strong glutes. We're working on re-strengthening the back. We're working on relaxing the psoas, get the inner legs, the adductors, the outer legs, finding how to use your core again, finding again, posture and breathing, because what we don't want is to someone say, oh my gosh, my pelvic floor, I'm just going to keep squeezing that pelvic floor because we can actually from Kegels make things too tight. And then you can still have leakage. You can still try to get that jump rope and pee yourself. So the yoga can be a really good path to finding balance and also figuring out what's going on with your own personal pelvic floor. Are you tight and weak? Are you just weak? You're like, so where do we need to find that balance? Again, the pelvic floor should be this springy, balanced situation, not too tight, not too loose, kind of like the Goldilocks. So definitely yoga done properly with really good breathing too. Hey, we're going to take a quick break, but I'll be right back. you find it hard to sleep at night then the calm cove podcast can help you sleep deeply all night long calm cove has deeply relaxing meditation music and ambient sounds like ocean waves and crackling fires all of our episodes are designed to help you relax and to fall asleep fast calm cove is brought to you by the team behind sleep cove the sleep podcast that consists of spoken word hypnosis, meditation, and stories. So if you want to listen to a beautiful soundscape tonight, search for Calm Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see how we're helping millions of people relax and go to sleep every night. And I know we were working our way like top down talking about some of the, you know, maladies associated with feeding your baby. When you get to the pelvic floor stuff, like you mentioned constipation, you mentioned urinary incontinence. Like, is there some sort of, you know, diagnostic test for your pelvic health is green light good, F bad? Like, I think just the feedback of what's going on with your body. Do you have, you know, pain with vaginal penetration? That can be a sign that you have tension in your pelvic floor. Sorry, but also not a high priority <laughs> to be doing that right after you have a baby. Like, I think a lot of this stuff is like, it takes a while to unfold. And our audience, they're not immediately postpartum. Most of them, 
But as we know, lots of the postpartum stuff lingers. And so I appreciate this conversation just of things, even me five years out, like, well, I could be working more on some of this stuff. Like, you know, or or it becomes your baseline and you think it it always needs to hurt. Lots of different things that maybe don't. Like literally a mom who just had twins was like, I guess I'm just going to pee on myself forever when I jump rope. And I'm like, no, I heard this pelvic health yoga lady say that you don't really have to do that. You don't. Yeah. It's normal. Okay. Let me say it's common, but not normal function of our body. So yes, five years out, 10 years out, people can fix pelvic floor issues. They can fix diastasis. So if someone is trying to figure out what's going on with my pelvic floor, here are some basic indicators. And this isn't just someone at six weeks, six months, it can be six years postpartum. So pain with vaginal penetration can be a sign of pelvic floor tightness. If you have tailbone pain, if you have constipation, if it hurts when you poop, if you feel, if you are often sitting and then you get up and you're like, oh, my sit bones really hurt. Or if you've been doing a lot, if you've heard like, oh, I should tighten up my pelvic floor and you're doing a ton of Kegels and everything feels worse. Or if you've been doing a ton of Kegels and you have more leakage, or if you try to take a nice deep breath and you just feel like your breath can't drop, all of these are indicators that your pelvic floor might be too tight. Because a lot of us are going to hear, especially, you know, if you go to your six-week checkup or whatever, they're like, okay, squeeze my fingers. Oh, just do your Kegels. That's not always the answer. And unfortunately, while I absolutely have respect for OBGYNs and midwives, their focus is not the pelvic floor. Their focus is the parent and the baby and, and a smooth, healthy delivery. So they're not really at the place to necessarily give pelvic floor advice. So I'm always about to see a specialist. And then try to indicate what's going on with your pelvic floor. Deb, this has been so incredibly helpful. Where can our audience go to learn more about your work if they are so inclined to start working on the pelvic floor health, but also some of the other just physiological things associated, like when you realize, gosh, I don't feel awesome. And some of it's related to having a baby and that's okay to say, but we can do things to work on ourselves. And how do you help parents do that? Everyone can find me at Prenatal Yoga Center on my website, prenatalyogacenter.com. We have postnatal classes online and you are always welcome to be there. We have some students that are well over a year that still come to our class because it's really fun. Um, You can find me on Instagram at Prenatal Yoga Center, YouTube, and then my podcast is Yoga Birth Babies. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to that episode with Deb Flaschenberg. She is so amazing. I'm not a big yoga person, but anyone that can get me to do yoga on a podcast episode is amazing. You guys can find her online, prenatalyogacenter.com. I'm going to link all of the resources she mentioned in the show notes for this episode, which you can find at blwpodcast.com forward slash 344. Thank you to our partners at Airwave Media. If you guys like podcasts that feature food and science and using your brain, check out some of the podcasts from Airwave Media. We are online at blwpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Sleep Cove podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night.